From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host, OCFA's Assistant Chief of Organizational Planning, Mike Schrader. There is no greater teacher than experience, particularly in emergency medical services. And this is why I'm so excited to introduce this first podcast uh, produced by our own very own EMS section, uh, where we can all learn from an interesting and unusual call uh, that occurred recently. And this is a podcast with the added benefit of an option of receiving one hour of CE credit. So pretty amazing, pretty excited about this, if you can't tell. Um, today we have uh, paramedic Ryan Summers telling us about the challenges he and Christian Trombetta experienced when they arrived to find a patient in active labor. That in and of itself, paramedics and EMTs would get your heart racing right. Then on top of that, uh, you have the breach element. So then he and moderator uh, Aaron Shook, along with nurse educator Jane Lam Lambert, and our medical director, Dr. Klaus Hecht, will review some kind of important aspects of this and really all field deliveries in an entertaining and informative way that I think you'll enjoy. After you've completed the um, presentation, Make sure to sign into Target Solutions. Look for the EMS Podcast 1 Field Breach Delivery under Self-Assigned tab, and then follow the instructions to receive your EMT or paramedic CE credit. So uh, again, uh, just a really innovative way to get you guys CE um, on a, a very uh, unique case. So thanks again to EMS and Multimedia, and thanks to everybody who contributed uh, this specific podcast. Um, and uh, the producers, Kevin Hansen and Linda Braster. So stay tuned and uh, enjoy. This is uh, gonna be a wild ride. Thank you for joining us in this podcast series brought to you by the, the EMS section. And uh, this is a series of three segments. There's going to be a part where we talk about the actual call involving the field medic, Ryan Summers. Uh, segment two, we'll talk with Dr. Klaus and uh, Nurse Jane. And then segment three, we'll just kind of do a recap and a wrap up, and we'll talk more about uh, what you guys need to do for your CEs. All right, so my name is Aaron Shook. I'm a paramedic firefighter. I've been asked to moderate this podcast with our very own Ryan Summers, who had a pretty interesting call happen. How long ago was it? Uh, a couple months ago. A couple months ago, mm -hmm. okay. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what happened? Okay, uh, it was uh, end of June. Uh, it was an early morning call. We got dispatched for pregnancy complications. Uh, so we got to the rig, uh, got ready to go, and the CAD updated with uh, feet presentation. So uh, it was a breach delivery. It's the foot. It's the okay, foot. The, the foot is coming out. Okay. I think so. I need, I need you to be sure. Go ahead and make sure she's on her back. Yeah, it's the feet, it's the feet in the oh. purple. So we got loaded up, got en route. Uh, it was about five minutes away. Uh, so it was pretty quick, and uh, it was it was exactly right. Um, you know, sometimes you get the dispatches, and they're not you know totally accurate based on what the you know what the RP says. But um, usually they're totally accurate this time. <laughs> not, yeah. not totally. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, we got uh, we got on scene, and it was exactly what the note said. It was um, it was feet presenting, uh, and we found her uh, found her in the bathroom. And then um, so. When you're when you're in route and you get the dispatch and it says that you you you're seeing some feet that you, I don't know if they'll you guys will have heard the actual audio where the the 911 call taker heard that there's a foot and you obviously that morning when you got to work you had already done what you normally do you checked out your gear you went through all your protocols you looked at the feet presentation protocol that we have oh yeah of course because we totally knew um, that call was coming in yeah. And then it, you said, okay, a four-footed person, Oh yeah. what do I do? Right, so, exactly. So what were you thinking? So um, obviously hoping that dispatch notes were wrong. Um, and then <laughs> showing up and saying that there were two feet that were blue, uh, it kind of elevated the stress level. Um, so uh, every, you know, everyone just started doing their job. It was, um, it was awesome. Uh, Captain Day was there. Um, he, he gathered the father, who was uh, pretty stressed out, and uh, he... You know, I never saw the dad again. He just he just took he just took control of the father and got him out of the scene uh, and brought the stress level down a little bit, which was awesome. Uh, Trombetta was the radio medic, the engineer medic, and uh, he opened up with base, had his job, started uh, confirming what we thought we needed to do was accurate, make sure we didn't make any mistakes on obviously this uh, pretty intense call. Uh, breach presentation upon arrival. Um, at this 
point, uh, my partner is uh, has a, a glove inserted in the uh, female's uh, vaginal area to uh, take pressure off of the uh, off of the child to um, in, improve circulation. We have uh, looks like uh, some uh, cyanotic feet present. We're going to be going code three. We're getting her loaded up at this point. Um, probably be there and when we get loaded up 10 minutes total right now. If you could just give them a heads up, I can give you uh, more of the run when I get your uh, loaded in the ambulance. I'll let them know that you're coming to ETA 10 minutes. Thank you. Copy. And if you, if you can just confirm with me uh, what what position uh, the best would be for, for the female to be in at this point. Uh, let's do left lateral. Copy that, left lateral. Uh, um, Marshall Noel was our um, rookie farmer. He focused on the mother, did some pertinent questions, uh, calmed her down, slowed her breathing, did a really good job, and really all I had to focus on solely was just the baby. That was it. That was the only patient I had, so I didn't even have to deal with the mother because Marshall was there. So uh, it was awesome having everyone do their job. So it was huge having people. Um assume roles pretty quickly. Did you have to delegate much or did people no. kind of just fall into line, there, there just was, fell into a position? There was no delegation at all. It was everyone knowing their part. And, you know, I know, you know, we talk about this whole four-man engine uh, and how important it is. And, you know, coming from Fresno, there was a, a medic and an EMT on an ambulance and that was it. And mm -hmm. talk about like, you know, running out of hands really quickly. That, that was just not the case here. It was totally apparent that having four people on scene was awesome and everyone had a job, and the only thing I had to focus on as patient man was just that baby, and so it was, it was awesome. Great, so uh, what was the stage like when you got to the house? Were they upstairs? Were they in a back bedroom? Were they sitting they were, out front in a uh, lazy boy waiting for you to get there? Totally, they were upstairs, as every medical aid is, that requires uh, you know, um, some severe attention like this. Um, they were upstairs, up a narrow staircase, in a bathroom with tight doors, as you would expect every medical aid to be. Perfect. Was and she laying on the, on the ground then? She was in the bathroom. She was on all fours. Uh, and I think the dispatch um, uh, had told her to do that. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, that's how we found her. So it's a pretty shocking thing to walk into. Yeah, right? it was completely shocking. Yeah. yeah it it's was, like a couple uh, deep breaths. And okay, this is for Remember real. that protocol that you read in the morning? Yeah, totally. Yeah. The one I prepared for like 10 minutes before the call. Exactly. Yeah, that's it was perfect. That's the kind of guy you are. That's why we love you. <laughs> so, uh, so Trombata confirmed. Um, we thought that it would need to be uh, left lateral recumbent slash Trendelenburg because we're going downstairs. Uh -huh. uh, you can't go down head first, obviously. So there was going to have to be a feet first component at some point, but we wanted to take weight uh, off the feet and just kind of slow the progression of the call. So uh, Marshall kept the mom calm. Like I said, uh, Captain Day took the dad completely out of the situation. And uh, we got the patient uh, loaded with basically my hand supporting the feet just so I knew where the baby was at all times and just feeling any movement of the baby. And we got her packaged up. Uh, left lateral recumbent, uh, and how obviously, quickly did the ambulance get there? They were they were there really quick. Um, you know they they um, they really did their part as well as far as having everything ready. There were blankets ready. They, I mean, even little things like the gurney facing the right way. You know, you come down and the, the gurney's backwards, and you're carrying a person. And it's it just messes everything up. Everything was perfect. Right. Um, they had their equipment ready, and they knew their equipment. And um, so we go down these narrow flight of stairs, and I have. One hand supporting the baby in the birth canal, uh, and um, I'm holding one of the corners of the flat. And so we make our way down the stairs. There's a turn at the landing, and we get down there. And by the time we get to the bottom of the stairs, um, the baby's basically halfway out at this point. Yeah. So Just picturing sort of like a clown car episode <laughs> running down the stairs with everybody. Totally. Trying to help and just yeah. shuffling around and yeah, there was no room for anyone to walk, of course. And uh, yeah, we get to the bottom and you know things have totally changed because she had a contraction in route. Uh, Marshall was timing in the route from the top of the stairs totally. to the bottom of the stairs. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Marshall was timing the contractions and it, it was it was uh, it was halfway out. Did the you bottom. update the PCR? <laughs> Would you hit that time button when you got to the bottom of the stairs? Yeah, so time stood still. Time stamp bottom of the stairs. Oh yeah, time stamp yeah. perfectly and uh, yeah. yeah, of course the tablet was our, our number one priority. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. It's like a fifth man. It's wonderful. Marshall gave a sticker out yeah. and we logged that into the uh, community interactions uh, section as well. That's, Marshall, you are really on. Man. He did a great job. That's great. So obviously, uh, you know, they tell you that the umbilical cord, um, if there's pressure around it, then you know you could lose perfusion. Um, and so 
uh, we did the, like the V pattern with your fingers. Um, so I changed my position from holding the feet to now basically uh, my hand just inside the birth canal and taking the pressure off the umbilical cord. Mm -hmm. um, and it seemed right, but I've never done it and I've never delivered so a baby. So this is your first delivery, right? Completely, yeah. And that Even is, in clinicals, that to me is so amazing that you clinicals know, you we watched. Kind of call and it yeah. went the way it did, really. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, yeah, everyone doing, you know, their job and... So when you did the V pattern with your fingers and you took pressure off of the cord, what... Yes. You're at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. You've just gotten around the gurney. Yeah. Right? And you've got your, your fingers inserted, taking pressure off the cord. And yeah. Where, where are you at right there? What are you thinking? Where's your, what's your, you just want to get going, right? And so I'm kind of, you know, wondering if I'm going to feel like the, the cord pulsating is what you're supposed to feel, you know, uh -huh. for the perfusion of the baby. And I just don't feel any I read of that. that. I read that too. You know, right before yeah. the call. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, there's like cyanosis, you know, the legs and, and the first part of the torso. And, you know, I have two kids and, you know, I was there for both births, but I, you don't remember everything in detail. And this is totally different, you know, this mm -hmm. is, everything's backwards. So, you know, I just, I don't really know what to expect. Um, but it seems like it's working. Um, so we're, uh, we have her loaded up on the gurney. We get loaded up into the back of the ambulance. Uh, Trombetta is finishing up the radio report, I think, at that point. Uh, and just, you know, doing the documentation thing. Uh, as for you there in the back, we'll get some vitals. And, uh, I don't know, we'll probably be there in eight minutes or so. We have a blood pressure 182 palp. And we've also got a, uh, Heart rate at 120, sinus tack on the monitor, respiratory rate is about uh, 36. Uh, like I said, we're en route to the hospital now. Um, if it's okay with you, I'm going to break down and uh, assist my partner en route to the hospital. That's okay. Uh, please feel free to call back if uh, you need anything else, okay? Copy that. Thanks for your help. It's going to be uh, more 39 clear. And I'm like sitting on the bench with my hand in the birth canal doing this V pattern, it's like totally uncomfortable. And I'm like leaning over, so it was honestly better to just, I sat on sitting the on the bench in the ambulance. Yeah, and it was ridiculous. Like my wrist was, you know, bent back and it, it, it just, it was like, it, it didn't make sense. So Flame, I, Flaming up an old pickleball injury. Yeah, it was, out. absolutely, yeah, from 21s for sure. So I sit on the gurney, I just straddled the gurney and it was way easier. Um, the, so you just went and basically <laughs> were facing her. Totally, You're facing yeah. forward, she's facing the Yeah, she's back. basically on her side. Um, like left lateral. Yeah. And uh, I'm struggling. Was she happy to have you join she her? Was, she was so mad at me. Uh, <laughs> she, was, she was she was yelling. You know, she's in a ton of pain and uh, oh, totally totally yeah. stressed out. But uh, yeah, it was it was totally an intense ride to the hospital. How so, long was the ride to the hospital? It felt like it, it felt like 20 minutes, but I think it was just a couple. I think yeah. we were eight or 10 minutes away, but it felt eight or 10 minutes can feel like a long time. Yeah. yeah. So by the time we get her back into the ambulance. Um, the baby, so we're in route, right? And the baby, um, she had another contraction, and now it's basically up to its armpits. So mm -hmm. I'm like thinking, this this V pattern thing is like, I don't even know it's working, you know? Like I know you, it says to do that, but I'm not, I'm not certain that it's working. And the baby's still cyanotic, and I'm thinking, you know, just I guess referring back to watching my sons be born, um, and watching ROB just prepare the canal, you know, uh -huh. and. Um, uh, that's exactly what I did. So I have two hands, and I just got the birth canal ready. Um, just basically circumferentially went around the baby, and um, just kept you know everything loosened up and ready for delivery because it, it looked like it was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, despite you know not being at the hospital, so we basically just got ready to have the baby right there. And it's still, you said it was basically the baby was up to its armpits. You yeah. can see its its nipple level down at exactly, that point. Exactly. Exactly. So at that point, I have. Um, my right hand is still, you know, basically up to m the first part of my fingers in the canal. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, you know, maybe I could just feel like an elbow or yeah. like, you know, the crick in your elbow. Uh -huh. And I, I felt it. I felt his arm. And so I just hooked the arm out and I worked one of the arms out. And uh, now I just have basically one arm and the neck and the head inside. And we're, um, we're like a minute from the hospital. So I lifted the baby up. Uh, and pulled the other arm out. There's like a ton more room at this point. And we're backing into the hospital and it's just the head. Yeah. So it's like, all right, this is ridiculous. I think, uh. we, just need some, I think we need closure here. Now you got I, one person with uh, four arms and four yeah, feet. And I, we can't go to the hospital with this, this baby in yeah. there with just the head. This looks ridiculous. So we need to like, we need to finish this now. Yeah. Uh, and I told her, hey, if, if you want to push, we could probably just finish this off. 
and uh, she did one push. Out came the baby. The did back you, of the ambulance doors opened. Did you have to turn the baby no. over? So you didn't have to turn the baby face down. No, it came. It, it happened so fast. Came out. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, the baby came up, and I'll be honest with you. There's parts that I I, I can't even remember. I'm it sure. Was, it was yeah. just a blur. And the back of the ambulance opened up, and. We had the OB kit, but it was were not... Were the storks there clapping for you? <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, a they're, full they're, flock of storks they were already They were already playing the, uh, the uh, nursery chime over the ER, I'm sure. Perfect. It was beautiful. Uh, Cigars for everybody. While I was outside freaking out. Yeah. So the, the OB kit was not open, of course, because that would have been way easier. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and the blanket was there, but it was folded. You, you the know, new blanket. You, you know, it was, the, it was actually a brand new ambulance blanket. It was in the oh, plastic. Okay. They just unwrapped it. It was fresh. It was right there. And I look down at it, I'm holding this baby, and uh, it's not open yet. And the, you know, they say the babies are getting cold, you know, we're not wrapping them up and drying them. And they, Was know, the baby, how was the baby's presentation? You know, it was still cyanotic. Uh -huh. It didn't have that initial, you know, scream or gasp or anything. I know we needed to start the suction process. Uh, and we had the, we had a, um, we had the... Uh, the French... Right. Yeah, we had a French catheter out because the bulb syringe wasn't out yet. And it was uh -huh. sitting right there. There was a French catheter ready to be connected. We suctioned the mouth and the nurse is right there. She opened up the door. She's like, okay, now suction. She started working me through it. It was awesome to have, yeah. you know, someone there that, you know, has probably done a bit this of a relief, huh? probably a hundred times, totally. And uh, we started suctioning the baby. And uh, at this point, I'm like not seeing this baby breathe yet. I'm like, am I going to do CPR on this baby? Is this going to turn into like you know, a pediatric full arrest is gonna be horrible, you know, this is gonna be an awful yeah. call. And then I look at the nurse's face and she's totally calm. She's like totally relaxed. And I'm like, well, if she's relaxed, I feel like I- Cause she hasn't assumed patient care yet. And she knows <laughs> <Yeah>. it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like, if something gnarly's going on, she's, uh -huh. she would probably be freaking out. And she looks- She'll divert you to yeah. uh, probably mission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. So I just, honestly I did what she said. So like three steps into doing what she said, uh, oh, let me step back. The baby's cold and the blanket wasn't out yet, so I, I just put the baby up to my chest and I'm thinking this is probably like a major exposure, but <laughs> it's a human being, so we'll put the baby that, up to my so, chest. So you pulled this, the baby out. Yeah, and look at you its face. Had, we'd been talking about, you know, as a department, keeping our uh, newborns warm, not yeah. the problem. Mm -hmm. And you just instinctually put this baby to your chest. I'm like thinking like, this baby's like, the blanket's not ready yet. And like, I'm like, look at its face. It's like, a, this isn't a, you know, this yeah. is a human being. This is like a new baby. This is his first minute in the world. I'm like, I have to like keep this thing warm. And I, you know, we're totally not ready with this blanket open. Probably shouldn't be telling this part. I and love, this is my favorite part. I know, I wasn't going to say It is the it, most beautiful part about this honestly, whole it just, thing. I was like, man, if this is my son, that's the first thing I would do is, well, put it, is keep it warm. It's too you know, bad you're already hired because you would have a great answer for one of those interview questions. Oh my God. You know, that is fantastic. I don't know if I would have told him. But uh, yeah, no, that, so all, all joking aside, though, that to me is one of the most special moments of the whole call. I think it is so amazing. And we got the blanket open, wrapped the blanket, and the, you know, the nurse said, you know, you know, rub him down vigorously. And, uh, and at that point, after like the third instruction she gave me, I looked at her, I'm like, why am I doing this? This is something you do like, <laughs> she's from OB. Why am I doing this? How, this is how vigorous is vigorously? Yeah, totally. I'm like, what? I don't even, I have no idea. At, at, you know what level I need to be doing this. I, so I said, here, you take the baby. You, you've done this a hundred times. How, it, how am I the one doing this? When you handed it over to her, had it started to breathe more? Uh, had no, it, it hadn't yet. And so she finished the suction. They were, they were, uh, said, uh, have Was the gurney, the, you had pulled the gurney out of the ambulance. It, no, so we're still sitting in the ambulance and she's just standing there giving me this instruction. Yeah. yeah. Tell me what to do. And I'm like, man, this realization. How about we go into the hospital? How about you do this? <laughs> you've done this a hundred times. Uh -huh. I've never done it. And then the last I see is her totally calm and suctioning and rubbing down the baby and the, the, uh, the gurney is rolling into the hospital on the way up to the, to the OB room and I'm just like basically sitting there totally shocked. And uh, yeah, and then it was, um, that was basically the end of it until we went up there and checked on the patient. But how was, the, how was everybody doing? How was mom? How was baby? Uh, she was exhausted the second the baby came out. I looked over at her with the baby in my hands obviously you put it to the, the mother's chest, but she was wiped out, you know, yeah, she was obviously taxed. And so they wheeled her in and it was just like total recovery. And we're just sitting there like, oh my God. So it was just, it was intense. How many uh, children had the mother had? So she had had, um, she had had a prior, uh, one prior kid that was a successful birth. Uh, and something Trump that it didn't tell me, and I'm so happy he didn't tell me, it was the birth before that 
there was complications, and I believe it was either a stillborn. Uh, I think it was a stillborn. Mm. And uh, so I think if I had heard that, that would have yeah. just added a whole other level of stress. Oh, man, I'm sure. But I didn't know that. And um, so this, you know, knowing that now, that's just so that's cool. That's a, a good radio medic, knowing what his partner needs to totally. know and doesn't need to know. So that's just, I mean, just another example. And, and you know, I'm a newer medic. I've been a medic for a little over three years, and there were some medics that had been on scene that that were on scene that had been medics for a lot longer. And I think part of why it was not relaxing but not com com completely stressful was knowing that there was a ton of experience on that rig uh, with Trombetta there, and um, if I needed help, it was it was right there, you know. And yeah. I guess that ties into you know having medics that are medics for a long time and that are engaged. It's just really important, you know, to you know have someone to fall back on and to, you know, contribute to the call. Yeah, and that's not definitely the, the way to go, right, is to have those totally. experienced people around you and you can rely on each other. And that's where a situation like that, yeah. that can be total chaos, can become totally. organized chaos all the way to the hospital. Absolutely. And, and turn out really, really well. Totally. So, I mean, great job. That's a really special call. The whole thing to me is just, it's totally fascinating at the same time that we don't have any direction for no. pulling the arms out, really. We, uh, we haven't been taught that, but you did it. You saw, hey, you know what? <laughs> use the, to use the cliche, adapt and overcome, mm -hmm. right? You pulled it off. So that, that's really a great, a great job. The crew asked me if it was a boy or girl, and I didn't know. <laughs> we, we, had to, we actually had to go upstairs uh -huh. for closure one, right? because I needed to see it breathing and alive and well, and, you know, because the last I saw is it was, you know, just en route to the, you know, the uh, OB area. Still being vigorously stimulated. Yeah, and I'm like, I need some closure here. And uh, they asked me if it was a poor girl, I had to go check. It was a little boy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the best part about it is uh, it was, it was uh, the uh, captain told us it was Father's Day. Wow. So it happened on Father's Day. Man, what a great call. Yeah, it was totally cool to give, you know, that dad a positive outcome and... Yeah, it was just awesome. Awesome call. Great. Well, I think we're going to wrap up segment one right there. Um, segment two, we're going to have uh, Dr. Klaus Hecht and Jane's going to be here. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to them about more of the physiology. Now for a word from our sponsor. So uh, we were talking about documentation. Uh, another thing that's important, obviously, is finding the right place to go. Jane, can you help us out? I sure can. Just uh, know that with so many specialty centers for transport, it's hard to keep them all straight. You guys have trauma, you have stroke, you have peds, kind of peds, going to chalk. And now we have OB, and technically OB is not a specialty center, but it is providing a specialty service. So there are 15 hospitals in Orange County that will accept our babies. So you need to make sure that you know which facility is appropriate and also all of these delivery calls are a base hospital contact call. Um, the reason for that is so the base can guide you into the appropriate receiving center. Okay, and all of these uh, hospitals are listed in our uh, document locker, that is right? Correct. Uh -huh. Under the hospital info. That's right. Cool. All right, great. Thank you. Okay, uh, welcome back. This is segment two. We have our new medical director, Dr. Klaus Hecht. Hi, doctor. Greetings. Greetings, yes. And we have uh, Division Five nurse educator, Jane Lambert. Hi, Jane. Good morning. Thank you both for being here. So, uh, Dr. Hecht, there's some uh, little known fact about you that, uh, well, I guess it's not quite little known. I knew about it and I was happy to hear that. Um, you used to work as a firefighter for Orange County Fire Authority. When it was called Orange County Fire Department, <laughs> I was in Academy 15. Uh -huh. with folks like Robert Acosta, Greg McEwen, Comcialdi, Brian Young, people in that, uh, in that group. I was one of their academy cadre companions and really honored to be back again as the medical director. I was with Orange County Fire Department for four and a half years and at a certain point I decided to pursue medicine and left the fire department and went off to medical school in St. Louis. Well, that's great. Well, we're really happy to have you here, and we just want to thank you again for joining us with this podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about the, I guess, more technical aspects of this whole procedure that we had go down here with Ryan and his crew delivering that uh, limb presentation. So 
let's talk a little bit about the physiological changes of pregnancy. Great. So there are several things that happen to the female as she's pregnant, and these may have an impact on what you see in the field. Um, as you may or may not know, the actual maternal blood volume significantly increases, and uh, if you've ever delivered a baby, you know it's frequently a bloody, wet mess. And uh, a lot of that blood loss uh, is available to lose because almost in anticipation of the blood loss, the body has prepared extra volume uh, to help with just taking care of the anticipated loss at delivery, it seems. How much extra volume? Up to 50% more, so it can be- 50% more? Two extra liters of blood wow. by volume. There's also sort of a dilutional component, so the hemoglobin count will drop. The heart rate consequently increases. We can see blood pressure drop. That's normal. Sometimes we can see hypertension in pregnancy, and that can be problematic. And what would you consider hypertension in pregnancy? Definitely over 140. That's definitely considered problematic. But uh -huh. even a normal blood pressure, what we would call normal of 120, that can be considered abnormal. But it's all, it's all considering each situation separately. In the pre-hospital situation, with a delivering mother, we may not have time to get a full set of vitals, as you know. They may not be that opportunity with, with limited resources, limited manpower. Every situation, as you know, is different. Feet sticking out, running down the stairs. Exactly. Right. <laughs> in my practice, in my entirety of my practice, I have never delivered a baby breach. Wow, okay. So, yeah. in discussion with other paramedics, I think we've had one other breach delivery in the department. It's really rare, then. It, it's extremely rare. So the in paramedic school, they make you think that that might be your first call. Correct. So. And it's not a bad <laughs> mindset to have, uh -huh. being prepared for that. But what I see and have, have understood about breach deliveries is they're either going to go well or they're not. Right. And a breach delivery is not entirely impossible to handle. And it seems, it appears that this call was instinctively handled. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Which makes me believe that this would have been an easy breach delivery. However, a complicated breach delivery can challenge the skills of the most veteran obstetrician. So it's comforting to know that this was handled well, instinctively, and an excellent outcome. Yeah, ab absolutely. So let's, um, I guess let's move to some of the complications of pregnancy and field delivery that we may encounter, like, uh, like Ryan Summers encountered. Uh, so we have the unruptured amniotic sac. That's a pretty easy one, right? Should we start there? Correct. Let's do that. If it's a head presentation with an unruptured amniotic sac, Pinching, twisting, and tearing the sac is an easy solution. It's logical. It's pretty clear. Pretty how, clear cut. How much fluid should you be prepared for? When a you, big gush. A big gush. Like, are we talking, you know, bucket to the face? <laughs> are we talking, uh, so how much fluid are we talking about? Uh, you say a big gush. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get this. It's very important. Pinching the amniotic sac. For, for what I'm thinking about as a paramedic, you know, we've got that OB kit and it is probably, it may or may not be open. Correct. Like in, in the call that uh, Ryan had, they didn't have the thing open yet. And that is probably, I mean, most of these calls, it's probably 50-50 if they've got that thing open. I'm not sure, Jane, you, probably, you know about all the calls, all the deliveries in the field. How many times are they actually in that OB kit? I'm assuming I'm, that they... By the time you get to the hospital, okay. I'm sure the thing's cracked open and the baby's got a little, it's a little hat on, right? But, Correct. But, but are, are the guys gowned up a lot of the time? Well, I don't think they're gowned up, but I think the OB kit should have, needs to be open. We need I do want to give credit, I, I do want to give credit to Chris Esposito, actually. I did see him at Mission wearing an actual gown one time and he had just delivered a baby. So there you go, Chris. Good job, buddy. I, th I think a lot of times when you guys come in on a call, the delivery is in progress and yeah. you really have time to suit up and gown up. I right. mean, that's the textbook PPE, what you should be doing. But due to the circumstances of the call, either it's in progress or it's already happening by the time you arrive on scene. Yeah, it's really kind of just a ready, set, go kind that's of thing. That's correct. And if yeah. however ready you are once you're there, right? So, okay, so we, you pinch the sack and you should be prepared for a, a gush of fluid. So eye protection, gloves, whatever you can throw on, right? Right. Maybe if you've got even one of those masks that has the little visor, everybody's got a couple of those in their airway kit. So. PPP is always a good, a 
PPV is always a good idea with stool and body fluids uh, being atomized potentially. But one of the key components to remember in childbirth is it is a natural process. Take a breath, slow down, put on your PPE, and help mom deliver the baby that's going to come right. pretty much right. anyway. It feels good, lots of adrenaline, it's a, it's a time to get pumped up, it's really exciting. You've brought a life into the world, you can feel good about yourself, but do take that extra time to protect yourself and your family and don the PPE, because that's what it's there for. That is a great point. I had, when I took my first EMT class, the instructor said that people have been having babies since the dawn of time and they didn't have EMTs. So as just an entry level EMT, they said they don't actually need you. You're just there to drive them as you know, they do need a few things from us. But like you said, it's a beautiful thing. It's a natural thing. It's probably going to happen even if you don't do anything. So. Okay, great. So let's move on to what, uh, what Ryan had, right? He had the, the foot presentation, both feet coming out. Um, we don't really, we're not really instructed on delivering that child. And like you said, it was just a natural thing. Are there any complications that he could have run into that you can kind of help us understand? Sure. He, had, he did see one with a cord. He had a cord presenting in the birth canal and he went ahead and took the pressure off the cord. He noticed that it was cyanotic, which is to be expected. The blood flow is compromised in that situation, and relieving the pressure off the cord was the perfect thing to do. That is part of your training, and the application of the training you had was perfect. And we see that in the outcome. So by, by inserting your hands into the birth canal, it allows the child to breathe as best he can. In that situation, however, you may not be able to get an absolute airway. Your fingers may not be long enough. There's possibilities that in the, the situation you find yourself in the patient's home or on the stairs or in a crowded bathroom, you may have a great deal of difficulty. It's also very uncomfortable for the patient to add additional volume to her birth canal. Another complication you might see is a nuchal cord, the umbilical cord wrapped around the neck. That is extremely difficult to relieve in that situation because the usual nuchal cord has the head out and there's enough, frequently there's enough extra cord to pull it off the neck. Whereas in this situation, there's not enough cord to pull it around the entire body of the child. So delivery is a little more imperative that, in that situation. One thing in breech births that is very frequent is a low APGAR score up front. So a very cyanotic baby that's been delivered breech is not uncommon. However, Babies usually do very well in that situation if it is not a prolonged breach presentation with multiple complications. And they usually, after five minutes, show a full viable APGAR score, and especially with good uh, neonatal resuscitation and warming and stimulation and oxygen. These children usually do very well. So if you've got a breach presentation or a cord presentation and you're taking the pressure off of the cord, yes. right? How effective is that and how long can you expect that child to deal with that kind of stress? Is the child under a tremendous amount of stress? Is, that, is what we're doing to relieve that pressure really effective, sort of effective? Is it time, chop chop type of thing? Or? Things should be moving towards getting that patient to definitive care, the patient and the mother. If you anticipate a prolonged transfer time, getting to the pre-hospital or to the hospital situation, uh, we recommend the knee to chest position, get the, the mom's shoulders down on the gurney, get her pelvis up in the air, try to relieve pressure from the baby and, uh, and give it as much room as, as you can. Uh, That's with cord presentation, and is that also with, with breech and limb? If you're seeing a great deal of fetal distress, that's one recommendation. Uh, that's kind of the way to like put the top back on the kettle, so to speak, and have it cook for a couple minutes longer while you're Hopefully, getting to the... But this is a medical emergency and things need to move forward quickly. Right, right. Yeah, so. uh, like you said before, uh, I don't think anybody's going to be, you know, smoking them if they've got them, so to speak. I think it's going to be, uh, everyone's going to be moving and it's almost going to be just a, let's take a few deep breaths and slow our own pace down a little bit. Correct. Because it's going to be a quick moving call. Correct. Just by the nature of, of the whole deal. Correct. So... And, uh, and the other options in that situation is, 
includes just laying the mother down, caring for the, the baby. Uh, the knee to chest position is not 100%. Uh, at that point, if you have a head stuck in the birth canal, you may encounter some difficulties if it doesn't progress. In Ryan's case, fortunately, the child delivered. So we were talking about breach delivery. So if the breach, just referring to our um, procedure here, it says that if it's a breach delivery, you can allow the mother to push. Do not pull on an extremity, right? So you're almost approaching it like it's a regular birth. It's just, you see feet, okay? So take a deep breath, let's try and have this baby. Okay. Correct, that's an excellent recommendation. Okay, great, so the mother pushes and like Ryan was doing, he was helping guide the baby down. And then it says, our procedure says that you can guide the arms down and out if necessary. So Ryan went you know, above and beyond and kind of helped the arms out on, on uh, they, weren't, they weren't coming out on their own. So any input on how that went and how it could have been different or if there is a way that he might have needed to maybe move an arm or anything like that? The recommendation is to find the elbow and sweep it across the chest. So you want to identify the chest because if you were to accidentally pull it across the back, you could damage the brachial plexus or other important parts of the, the child. We're paramedics. What's a brachial plexus? That's a, that's a joke. But nobody's going to know what a brachial plexus is. <laughs> Fair enough. That's the nervous supply to the arm. Okay. So, and it comes through the neck. So undue traction to the neck can cause brachial plexus injuries that can lead to lifelong problems okay. for that child. So we want to think about that. Uh, in rare cases, moving the arm might cause an accidental humerus fracture, which heals no problem, and it can sometimes assist in the delivery. Uh, the shoulders wow. can get impinged, and Ryan did a great job anticipating that. In fact, the baby kind of helped him, and he led with one shoulder and another, and the baby rotated, and he assisted with the rotation. As it was coming through the birth canal, the shoulder and the body rotated naturally. Usually great. the head rotates in very rare instances. The chin might be facing forward. And uh, usually it wants to rotate one side or the other to maybe the 11 o'clock or the 1 o'clock position or further. If that's not happening, you may find that you have to assist the rotation of the child's head, gently turning it. However, most of the time the child will be facing towards the mother's backside or down or posterior. So that won't necessarily be something you anticipate. Okay, so that's the way nature intended it is for the, Correct. the baby to basically be face down. Or rotated. Or rotated. Okay, and uh, moving on in our procedure, it says if the head doesn't deliver in four to six minutes, you can attempt to free the head by placing two fingers in the vagina and gently pull the chin against the chest to lower that profile and, and help the baby deliver. Um, so we were talking about vigorous stimulation, right? And I know for me, I, any call I've been on where there's been a baby delivered, it's already delivered, you know, or it doesn't deliver at all and they do it in the hospital. So I haven't really been part of that vigorous stimula stimulation. How vigorous do we stimulate this baby? Because, you know, it's kind of a, uh, I guess, a subjective term. Jane? <laughs> well, I think the goal here when you're uh, stimulating the baby, or the, the amount of pressure is going to be determined on uh, what response you get from the infant. I mean, you really need to dry and warm that baby. So you're not just patting that baby dry you're vigorously getting all of that amniotic fluid off the baby to prevent that baby from becoming hypothermic. Um, and you're also stimulating that baby so the baby responds and starts to cry. And um, we're not holding it by the one ankle and just slapping it on no, the butt, no, right? No, 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 you're not doing so, that. No. I mean, as cool as that kind of <laughs> sounds. But, <laughs> uh, but we want to make sure that that baby is completely dry and you're not drying with wet towels. Once that towel gets wet, you got to throw it away or throw it to the side and get a new one. Which is probably why we have more than one OB kit usually on each rig. Well, I think the goal for the OB kit is in case you encounter twin deliveries. You're going to oh, need okay. two kits, one for each baby. Yeah. Well, that, that's a big day. Huh? Yeah. Didn't think you were getting one, now you got <laughs> then two. Then you get two. Yeah. Two for the price of one. You're, you just finished high-fiving and then you got to change your catcher's mitt. 
I actually heard something in the field, uh, one of the guys that I work with, he, can, he claims himself to be a champion swaddler. And he said that he swaddled the baby with the space blanket first, and then the other blanket around that. And he said that he delivered several babies in a short period of time, actually, um, or he was part of a delivery. He's the engineer, you know, so he was, the engineers always get to do that. They get to like, oh, now I'm just gonna grab this baby and, and wrap it up and just <laughs> walking with the nurses gooing and gone or whatever. But anyway, well, he said pretty, that- That's pretty remarkable he could do that because that emergency blanket is very, very large. Yeah, and it is And what I've yeah. taught in my classes is you've got to really fold that smaller to make it fit a baby. Otherwise, you're going to lose the baby inside the blanket. Okay. So. All right. Okay, so that's going to wrap up segment two. Dr. Klaus Hecht, I just want to thank you again for joining us with this podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. And Jane, thank you for being here. We'll talk to you more in the next segment. And we'll also be joined again by Ryan Summers. And we'll touch on some more of uh, the teaching points that we had. And we will go over some of the things for your CEs because we know that's why you're here anyway. <laughs> now for a word from our sponsor. Recently, we have been talking about infants in the field becoming hypothermic. For those of you who have not looked in your OB kit lately, did you know that a soft and cuddly cloth receiving blanket is actually part of the complement? Just confirm the truckers in your station haven't commandeered it for movie night and use it on your next delivery. Okay, we're back with Ryan Summers and Jane Lambert. Thank you both for being here. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were just going to kind of wrap it up and discuss uh, anything that we may have left out. So Ryan, um, why don't you go ahead and give us a few takeaways that you got from this call? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a totally stressful call. Um, so obviously, I could have done things better, just you know, with the nerves of the you know the baby and everything, and the mom and the dad and all of it. It was just super stressful. So if I could go back and plan it and talk about it, um, just a couple things maybe I would have done differently. Uh, I would have had the OB kit open, ready, prepared, all you know, just like you would like an IV start kit. You know, you don't you don't wait to open the IV start kit when the you know the catheter is in the arm. That's ridiculous. So if I was to just think about it for a second, maybe delegate that, that would have been a smart idea. Um, and then regarding the exposure thing, since I decided to put the baby uh, up against me to keep it warm, I totally could have avoided that exposure um, opportunity by using that, the, uh, I think it's called the fluid protection kit. And it comes in that little bag. Uh, it didn't even occur to me, it, it, you know, and as you know, these calls are super fast. Um, but I, I would definitely have done that and I wouldn't even have worried about it. And had I done that, I wouldn't have had to go through the, um, I basically had an exposure. I had some open cuts as all of us do on our arms from working on the rigs. and Because you were getting ready to promote to engineer. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah, exactly. Which, congratulations. Thank you very much. Right. Off to the triple. So you had some, from turning some wrenches and whatnot, you had um, some, yes. some cuts that were in various stages of healing. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I was wearing gloves and we have really good gloves, you know, they're really thick nitrile gloves and they didn't tear, they were totally intact, but there was some cuts on my forearms. Uh, and regardless of whether I you know, held the baby to me or not, it would have gotten on my arms. It, right. was, there, it was a messy call. Well, um, there was all types of bodily fluids, yeah, right, it, it, as yeah. you can expect during yeah. uh, delivery. Absolutely. So with that, um, I had to do, uh, I was in exposure. So they made me a patient uh, at the receiving center. And uh, something interesting that happened, actually, they were, they, were, um, they were not completely prepared for what they needed to do for my exposure. Um, so, you know, I think the, ironically, the, the tag right before that was actually what to do during exposure. Uh, so we had just done it, and we kind of knew where to find it, but it was not totally intuitive. So, you know, I know we have a bunch of cards you can keep in your pocket, and a lot of them are really great. But, I mean, had it been... Yeah. You know, you know, someone with a, a drug addiction or a needle stick and something where there was a, a ultra high risk for, you know, tr a transmissible disease, I really would have liked to have that go down a lot smoother. Right. So that may be one that I might carry from now on. Well, and that's not too surprising to have something that we understand as a procedure not be the same in the hospital, right? Because right. as much as we try to, to uh, be on the same page, it's not always that way and it's, we're all human and that's it's right. totally understandable. But um, like you said, just to have a streamlined procedure um, that everybody kind of understands would make something like that a little less stressful. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about source testing and you asked for some source testing. Yes. And then you said that you found some exposure reporting forms in the actual ER? Uh, no, there was nothing in the ER. It oh, was actually okay. from our tablet. I think we went to Health Disaster OC 
uh, and we had we had another follow up to that hospital later that morning. Uh, so we brought the form, had it signed, and then we went through our whole Corvell thing. But it was um, it was not readily available. We had to we had we had to provide those. Um, we had to provide those forms to the hospital, and it just it didn't go as smooth. And you know they say it's you know it, it's time sensitive, especially with a needle stick or something like that. And the right. last thing you want to do is try to figure that out when you know you could you could you know you could contract a disease. You had and, a few resources that you called, right? Uh, actually, Captain Day took care of all of that. Um, okay, great. He, at, at one point, I mean, it immediate, immediately escalated from I don't think we do source testing, and you're going to go to a clinic to Captain Day having hospital administrators and Greg Boswell involved in the middle of the night and the next thing I knew there was a phlebotomist there ready to draw my blood. I mean it was really quick. That's you know great. Captain Day did an awesome job but but still it wasn't fun to wonder if I was going to get source testing and lose that, you know, that initial hour if, you know, if they're going to yeah. do prophylactic antibiotics or and hopefully uh, this information coming from this podcast might help yeah. make that a little smoother. Definitely. You know, and good job uh, being heads up with those types of cuts and you talked about having the OB kit open if uh, in a perfect world you know what you would do next there's always something in every call that we would all change or do better yes right like you said we're human but you saw feet sticking at you so yeah it kind of changes you know things just a little bit yeah that's right so nobody nobody can really fault you for that we're all human um, it just a side note on uh, the elite field the EPCR um, in the reporting requirements, you can go down and just document the, the personnel that did have the exposure. And like you said, that doesn't necessarily help you with getting what you need as far as the source testing and everything, right. but that at least is one way to document that it happened. So that's in the PCR guys, right under reporting requirements. Um, let's see. So there are a few things that are, that are I guess, changes that are coming. Uh, we're talking about the suctioning of the newborn and before it used to be the mouth and then the nose and then it was the nose and then the mouth and then it was mouth, mouth, nose, nose and then it was nose, nose, mouth, mouth. So what's it going to be now, Jane? Well, um, as you know, in our tags we've talked about the controversy behind suctioning. Um, what the experts say is suctioning causes the baby to go into a bradycardic rhythm. It also can damage the soft palate, so that infant is going to have a hard time um, sucking on a bottle or breastfeeding. Because so, it'll be painful? or um, Because there's damage to that soft palate, just okay. because of the vigorous su suctioning. Okay, so um, I think trauma. behind that, a lot of it was the uh, midwives were kind of behind the whole suctioning thing um, and getting that removed. But there is some literature to say that it actually does cause injury to the baby. So we are anticipating that the county is going to completely take it out of the guidelines for newborn care as far as the suctioning, although um, you will need to place that baby on its side so the secretions are going to, instead of going to the back of the pharynx, they will go more to the inside of the, um, the, the cheek. The cheek, thank you. And, so um, mom on left lateral, baby left lateral, lateral. we're all going and to the hospital. Then, and yeah, and then you can take a four by four, wipe the baby's mouth and maybe just go do like a, I don't want to say a finger sweep because we're not supposed to do that, but you've got to have some way to clear those, those secretions if right. there's a lot there. And Ryan, you guys, oh. go ahead. Yeah, I had something else to say that's coming up is they're allowing you to administer Narcan to babies that you anticipate would be um, slow opiate. to respond due, due to um, opiate addiction by the mom. Um, so that's another consideration because if that baby is loaded with secretions in the nose, uh, what are we gonna do about that? So um, I would assume that the, the bulb syringe is gonna stay in the OB kits for a while. Mm -hmm. So I do think they are gonna be available, but just know that they are going to re be removing routine suction out of the treatment guideline. So the tool will still be in the toolbox, we just won't need to use it as often? Uh, I believe so, yeah. For okay. a while anyways until they make new kits and it's not there. Okay, great. Yeah. And Ryan, you guys uh, kind of cleared a hurdle with your suctioning when you used the French catheter, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the OB kit wasn't open yet um, and they got a baby in my hand and they had the wall-mounted suction. So the Yonkar is normally connected. That obviously looked like a bad idea. So there was the French catheter uh, tucked into the mount right next to it. We hooked that up, and then you could, you know, you could just use basically 
less than an inch of the French catheter and then suction on the way out and we got plenty of secretions out and at that point I was handing the baby to the nurse so it was just a second but yeah it was there and there's definitely more than one tool to do that job. Great. Okay this leads us to basically the wrap-up. What as far as patient follow-up how's everybody doing? We got word from the facility that mom and baby did extremely well thanks to Ryan and 39's crew. Everybody pitched in and did an awesome job in making sure that the best care was provided. Initially, the APGAR on the baby was a three, and then five minutes later, it was a seven. Uh, Mom did have a approximately 900 cc blood loss, and she ended up in the OR for retained products, and she did have a vaginal tear that they needed to repair. But after two days in the hospital, both mom and baby were discharged and the outcome was fantastic. So great job to the entire crew for making this so successful. All right, great job everybody. So as far as the documentation goes with uh, pregnancy, there's a, obviously something more that needs to be done than usual. Jane, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, just you need to make sure that uh, with a field delivery that we generate two PCRs. We need one for mom and one for baby. On the baby's PCR, you're going to document the APGAR, and a lot of guys are putting that in the narrative, but there's actually a place on the PCR where the APGAR goes. It's under the vital sign section at the very bottom. Okay, great. Okay, so so we, that's going to be at one minute and five minutes for that APGAR. I don't need that tool because I've memorized the APGAR thing. It's okay. just like I've memorized everything else that's <laughs> in our procedures. But I appreciate you putting it there for other people. Okay, so and then posting those PCRs? And then posting, you, they're going to be under the same incident number, but you need to post them individually. So you're going to post mom, and then you have to come back and post baby. You can't just post mom and assume baby's going to go with mom. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. So PCR for each of them, and then make sure you post them each. That's correct. Okay, so that, that brings us to the CEs uh, that are available with this course. So. Okay, so we are going to be offering uh, one, C, or one CE um, for this podcast, and what you're going to need to do is you need to log into Target Solutions, and I'm sorry that we're trying to get away from that, um, but that is the only way we can document that you've taken the course and generate a CE slip. Okay. So you're going to be logging into Target Solutions, you're going to be taking a post-test and submitting it, and then you will be offered the one hour of CE. All right, great. Something else that was pretty unique with your call happening at the time that it did, you had a friend? Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, my friend that I went to medical school with in Fresno, Victor, um, I called to obviously tell him about the call and, and, and the experience and, and learning points and stuff. And uh, he, uh, he waited till I told the whole story and then he told me that he was delivering a baby the same exact time in Fresno and that was his first delivery too. So it was cool that you know both of us were doing that at the same time and it was just awesome. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's a happy Father's Day. Oh, yeah, big time. One, huh? mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you uh, all for being here. Thank you, thank you, Jane. Thank you, Ryan. And uh, I want to thank Kevin Hansen from Audiovisual uh, helping us put this together. I hope it's been helpful. And please uh, let us know any feedback, anything we could do to make this more interesting, more entertaining, and less just about knocking out an hour of CDs. Thanks again for your time. Uh, let's watch out for each other and we'll talk to you soon.